I am vengeance. I am the night. I am also a podcast. I am a podcast. 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 Oh! It's a show. It's a show. Audio only, though. What is it about? If you have time, I can tell you that it is a podcast about that many Batman podcasts. Uh, what did you want me to say in this part? It's a show! Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> I am a podcast. Whoa! Hey! with fans and people, people who Hey guys, welcome back to another Batman the Animated Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Michael, and you're listening to an audio variety show for your ears about the world-renowned, everybody's favorite, Batman the Animated Series. Alright, we're back to it. I've been off for a couple weeks, but audio gremlins be damned, we got a new episode for you. So, today we're going to be chatting about Joker's Wild. I'll be sitting down with Paul Dini, who is the writer of the episode, and if you don't know who he is, but you like this show, I'm very surprised. Uh, But first, I'll be sitting down with fan Mark David Christensen. He's a comedy buddy of mine, great actor and writer. He'll be talking about why he loves this show, amongst many other nerdy things. And before we kick it off, I just want to remind you, if you like the show, please rate and subscribe on iTunes. Leave a review. It helps out a lot. All right, let's get to it. Today's episode, Joker's Wild. When the Joker learns billionaire developer Cameron Kaiser has built a casino exploiting the evil clown's likeness, he breaks out of Arkham Asylum to destroy the place. Little does he know that that may have been the plan all along. Original air date, November 19th, 1992. Written by Paul Dini, directed by Boyd Kirkland, music composed by Todd Hayen, with animation by Ackham Production Company. Kevin Conroy's Batman, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr.'s Alfred, Marie Devon as Summer Gleason, Mark Hamill's The Joker, Harry Hamlin is Cameron Kaiser, who... If you'll note, I will be calling Henry Kaiser for one of our interviews because apparently I mixed him up with who Wikipedia has identified as an ethnomusicologist from San Francisco. I don't know, uh, but I meant Cameron Kaiser. Ernie Hudson, Winston Zedmore from the original Ghostbusters, plays the pivotal role of security guard. And Brian James plays Irving, Diane Pershing guests at Poison Ivy, and a guy named Roger Rose is a TV host. There we go, we went through all of the credits. That's pretty remarkable. So, without further ado, let's get to our first interview. Today's fan, Mark David Christensen. We're back, we're here. Uh, Mark David Christensen is sitting down. Mm, cozy. Cozy. <laughs> sitting in that cozy chair. Yeah. We're going to talk Joker's Wild. The Joker's Wild. A really silly, but um, I love this episode. Yeah, you requested this episode. Yeah, because I, um, I think mainly because it just has like a, re- it throws in like a real world element to it that's pretty surprising for the series, I think. Or at least, they do it still. There, there's other moments they do it. Like there's one before this, what is it called? J- Joker's Favor? 
Yeah, where you know he he the guy cuts him off in traffic. Yeah, and the Joker basically <laughs> makes him repay a favor years down the line and ruins his life. Yeah, and I think that this kind of that same episode fit into the vein of this, where they're like, okay, we're gonna sort of like slip in a real world character or something from the real world into the Gotham comic world. Yeah, because well, most I- of them are like, oh, it's a big scheme, and these ones are more like, oh, this. This crazy character named the Joker is now, like, involved in somebody's, like, a real-world thing. Does that make sense? Right. We're treating him as a crazy entity in the world separate from, like, super heroics. It's like, yeah, yeah, the Joker is a tool for some shitty criminal's, you know, he's a means to an end. Yeah. And it's an insurance scam. (laughs) It's an insurance scam. And I realized, like, even as as a kid, I picked up on that. And I feel like as a kid, that's pretty... That's pretty intelligent for that show to be able to like uh, communicate that to kids because even looking back, I'm like, oh, I've knew what he was doing. It didn't seem like over my head. Uh-huh. I mean, I, but I'm rewatching it today um, f- to prep for this. I was like, oh yeah, because they're just straightforward. They're so straightforward in the language. Like he looks at the papers and goes, oh. He like what's the link? He just says like, oh, he's over his head or something. Like something so simple that you're like, oh, yeah, as a kid, I could pick up on like, yeah. How what's can you going lay on? it out that it's bad that he's deliberately doing this? Yeah, it's so good, and well, they let's do it twice. Dial it back. Uh, yeah, we jumped right in. <laughs> no, that's great. Uh, I just want to get a little background. You're an actor. You're a writer. Yeah. Uh, you're in everything. You're a comedian. Uh, but I, I know that you love comics. Uh, you you still you're up to date on comics. Yeah, criticized uh, for, the for most being part. like an old man who's like, ah, you know, I yeah. don't read, I'm not up to date, and not just because... I'm probably more up to date on Marvel. I haven't touched any of the Rebirth stuff yet. I Even read though I've heard it's good. The first issue of Rebirth, but I haven't, yeah, I haven't, I didn't dive into the rest of it yet. Because the New 52 drove me crazy. I got bored of it real fast. I think I heard that there were pockets of New 52 that were great, and it like really just depends right. on like which comic you were following. That's probably true. But Batman the Animated Series, when did you first watch it? I mean, they had when it first came out. You were was, watching it as a kid. I was watching as a kid. That was like what you'd go. I would probably go. I would go home to watch it. It was like I remember the things I'd try to race home and get were this after school, and then on Friday, the only other things I tried to race home to get were like, if you remember, it's not Batman, but remember when they had the Nintendo show that had like. The guy that was like the had Super the, Mario Brothers Super the, Show, yeah, Super Mario Super Show, like yeah, with the live action, yeah, Mario. and then they had the cartoon, and then so <laughs> on every on Fridays you could have a Zelda episode. There was only on Fridays you'd have a Zelda episode, so I'd rush home, and I would always miss it. It was that and gummy bears. I would try to run home to make it, but because school got out, like. <laughs> it just I would never make it in time. So, but Batman was you one of. Never I was, learned your lesson. I never did, but I tried every each time. But then Batman was the one I was like I would I would watch. Religiously, in a sense, every day after school, it was I was gonna watch the whatever Batman. It felt like I don't know if I don't know if you had this as a kid. I never felt like now as a grown up, we watch stuff like in order, right? I will watch. I I can't watch anything unless I start it from the beginning and then go through for the most part, even if they're episodic. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, I don't think I ever... I just watched whatever came on. Well, there were so, so you'd many see, reruns yeah. that were syndicated, so it really didn't matter, especially for the animated series. You know, if they had a two-parter, they would just air part one and two, like, you know, the next day yeah. or something. But, yeah, it didn't matter. They were mini-movies. Yep, you exactly. You watch them in whatever order you wanted. Yeah, I loved it. 
I immediately loved this show. Like, it was the best. It was my... It's what made me like Batman. So you were you in, you weren't really into Batman. Before I him? knew of Batman from like my brother having comic books. That's how I got in. Like I had I've had various stages of comic books. Now I'm like full in. Right. But my first stage of comic books was my brother used to collect them. He had old Marvels and Batmans, and I remember he giving me. I have a big old like collection of like beat up comics that he gave me. Yeah. And I just brought home some recently from a trip from Utah. I actually have this old like. I was super excited I found it. I hope I brought it home. And you're from Utah, right? Yeah, I'm from Utah. And he had like, I remember I always used to look through, it was like a who's who of DC. And it's some of, I think it's Were they from, like case files and stuff? Some yeah. Like, that's the he, way they broke it down. I'm yeah, trying to remember. There, yeah. Like, and it was. Maybe annuals where they would do that. Yeah. They would do it every once in a while. I one time bought like an X-Men comic book thinking it was a new X-Men comic book and it ended up being an index of the comic books. And it was such a, <laughs> I thought, I never think I wasted my money. And it was like, that was like my like third phase of comic books. And I was like, why did I do this? This is a waste of money. But also. There's uh, no story here. I'm a collector at this point. I've just fallen into the addiction of comics. Yeah. But that was when I didn't have money. I would just buy whenever my parents gave me like a dollar like or three dollars. I'd go buy whatever was there. Um, but yeah, so he gave me, my brother gave me a three-part story as a kid that was called The Mini Deaths of Batman. And it's this whole, it's sort of like what Nolan did a little bit in Dark Knight where the people were dressing up as him. So I can't remember. It might be Joker in the end, but I cannot remember right now. I need to reread it. But there's people that are getting dressed up as Batman that are getting killed. So that's, that's why it's cool. called the mini deaths of Batman. It's a mystery for like three three issues. So that was my introduction probably to Batman was that series or that three-part story. And then, of course, I remember the movie coming out with Michael Keaton, but it was so, I think, what year was that? Was that 89? 89, yeah. So, I mean, I would have only been, I mean, 83. I wasn't even 10 yet. So I remember seeing it. And then, see, I don't think I saw it in movie theaters. I remember watched. I think we got a copy of like a VHS copy. And I remember coming home like one afternoon, it was on there. And I think it was a bootleg too, maybe, <laughs> like that my brother had gotten. Yeah, you get. Or maybe I saw it in the movie theaters and you just don't have a memory of it. Because sometimes, you know, when you just. You see something as a kid and it just kind of washes over yeah. you. Yeah. Like, I don't remember when I originally saw this. Exactly. Except for I remember seeing Last Mohicans with my parents, which is weird. Right, which is, you know, <laughs> far more influential in your life yeah, Last than Mohicans. Batman. Yeah, because I'm still reading Last Mohicans to this day. No, yeah, but... I love Last of the Mohicans, the animated series. Honestly, I feel like it was the most pure version of the Mohicans verse. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I don't have any details. I've never seen Last of the Mohicans. It's a great movie. Uh, it has a great villain. Um... But yeah, the Joker, the Joker, <laughs> the Joker. That's like a crappy like DC like what if story and put them in the Wild West. <laughs> you're just like no, all those weird Batman oh, you man. got as a kid. To be honest, that you I'd love to see Joker in the Wild West, but I think that's me at this point, having read you know a million Joker yeah, stories. Yeah, you're and Gotham. Yeah, and you'd just be like, who cares? It's a change. Yeah, you'd, great. You'd probably uh, yeah, Jonah Hex. If it was there, a one, good. I bet there exists. There has to exist like a one shot where it's in the Wild West, they right? Have these Elseworlds figures that they're releasing. Yeah, and one of them was it wasn't it? There was, was like a Captain Joker. There was like a pirate one. Yeah, I think it was like Legend of the Dark Knight was like the name. I think that maybe. I remember those toys. And it like, but there was a normal Joker that had like a you. He had like a big smiling mouth that like you could like press a button and it would like open. Fuck. But now you're making me remember this, too. You're, like, spurring up, like, memories of, like... I think before that comic book, I knew who Batman was because I know the Ad- I had knew the Adam West movies. So that probably came before. I think maybe that story was the introduction of a more of an adult Batman. 
Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. a grittier Batman. Because I remember the Adam West movie, Batman, uh, the Batman the movie. I mm-hmm. knew that even before the series because I remember my dad showing that to me. And then I remember going, I think one of the first times going on vacation somewhere to Nevada, I bu- had a Joker toy. I had a Batman. I, I don't remember if I had a Batman, but I had this old classic Joker toy. And I wish we could look at him and find it. Did he have a hammer? He might have. I don't remember the toys because I probably lost a bit of the accessories. I was a kid that always lost the accessories. <laughs> and then I would just have the figure. But he was in the classic like suit, like the very tight like 70s suit. And it was a cool toy. Sounds like maybe a superpowers figure. I was like really into the action figures and the toys. Like that was a big part of yeah. all of these cartoons for me. Um, and I, I think there's that. There was also like some toy biz, you know, whatever. Yeah, because it wasn't. It definitely that. wasn't the animated. There's toy. a big green hammer. Like it had like a sculpted weird face on it. That was like one of the earlier Joker Ooh. figures. Or like the '89 Batman movie had like. It didn't look like Nicholson or anything, but I remember he had like a squirting flower like in his chest. That's it. That's the one I had was the squirting flower because I remember he had the pump yeah. and you could make it squirt. And I remember my dad like buying it for me when we were on vacation. The first figure I remember having was I think a Superpowers Penguin figure, which he had like oh, a nice. blue, like a really blue suit with like an, That's he looked odd. like he was dressed for Easter or something. Oh, I remember that one. It was like purple, I had... yellow, pink umbrella. Yeah, I, re- I had that toy too. Yep. And I, yeah. I just took it in the bath with me. Because, uh, you know, toys, oh, toys go in the bath. I love taking toys in the bath. Oh man, bath toys in particular though. Woo. What yeah, a treat. once you're made for swimming and stuff. God. Anything yeah. that could float. Ugh. You were in town. You were yeah. like, you were, you were in town. Ho- I don't know why that I said you're. In town. I bought into it. <laughs> you were in Watertown. You know what? If you got uh, if you got toys that can float, you're in Watertown. Baby. You're in Watertown. Welcome to Watertown, kids. So you had a you you had a pretty extensive. You yeah. Know, so like, I think I had it there all along, but that darker version came with that comic that, that three part comic story. Then I remember that weird VHS experience coming home after school and seeing that darker version of Batman uh-huh. on the TV with. With Michael Keaton, and then that eventually became like a thread. Like we had a VH copy that I think I watched over and Just over again. Just wearing down and the I, same VHS. Yeah, copies. and then the, and I remember seeing Batman Returns in the movie theater. Oh yeah, I definitely remember that. And I think those two movies still hold up. And even though there's there's a lot of fun corny stuff that's it's, it's definitely campy. Um, it's so funny that it literally feels like Tim Burton just took the Adam West and was like, eh, we'll just put it in shadows." <laughs> I mean, truthfully, like I just rewatched '89, uh, which I've kind of shit on a little bit because it didn't hold up as much for me. I feel like it's it's kind of a mess structurally. Oh. Uh, I think you're right, but it's fun. Yeah, um, there are certain like the imagery of it is so like the architecture and like mm-hmm. you got to credit Burton for like that kind of archi- architecture that like became I don't know so archetypal in like the animated series. Like it really yeah you know they they like doubled down on it like these huge 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 like just statues everywhere yep. all that gothic creepy. Oh man, I love it all. I think it's a great. He yeah, he made a stamp on Batman. And Returns forever. really works for me. Uh, I think Returns is better than the. Than I do the, too. We're in the minority, my friends. Oh, I <laughs> love it. I think it's so good. And then when you start to break it down, like each person's sort of a persona of him, and it's just fun. It's, too. it's, it's so like, fun. Well, I mean, it's for sure like a Tim Burton movie that is more of a Burton movie than a Batman movie, but it right. feels like at least he's having fun. Whereas the first Batman, it felt like he was being forced to do something. It was like filter your style and Batman into a yeah. funnel and 
Make something. Yeah, and they got something out of it, but I get what you mean. Yeah, I mean, he made the blockbuster movie a thing even more, you know, like... Even more. Or at least, like, branded, like, high-concept movies. Yeah. Um, he ushered... I mean, uh, I mean that like came Jaws, after... Jaws, and then Batman was another big... Yeah, and then Superman, but then Batman really was, like, the beginning of where we're at now, comic book Oh, wise, yeah. Right? And... One of my favorite moments, though, in Batman Returns, which makes me laugh every time I see it now, is that when the Penguin is in his little, like, transcribing all the first children in that, that city hall, like... From, which, why does that happen? Oh, okay. It it's just happening. happens. Yeah. <laughs> but Batman is just driving around casually in his Batman, Batmobile, and I'm like, what? That makes no sense to me <laughs> that he just casually drives around Gotham in his Batmobile. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, lo- I would love to see an entire movie where he's just, like, driving around doing errands. It's just boring day. Just boring <laughs> Batman day, but he's in the cowl. Uh, he's in the cape and cowl. I would love that. And how cool is it that we're getting Michael Keaton as the vulture in the new Spider-Man movie? Oh, it's going to be cool. What a dream. Is he officially? He's officially? I think he was announced, then he wasn't, and I, I think thought he, he pulled out. Oh, he's back on board? Great. I don't know. Who knows? By the time this podcast comes out... Who knows? There won't be a Spider-Man movie. There will be some other version of something. Yeah. Uh, Guardians of the Spider-Man, Volume 3, Super Mixtape, Spectacular. Can't wait. We can punch... We'll punch that joke up in post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can record that later. So let's talk the animated series. But the animated series within, it was like... It just became the thing. It was like, that's what I'm going to watch. I loved everything about it. Uh, It, it, to me, was the definitive Batman. Can I ask you All of that. Uh, so I know you come from like a more religious background and mm-hmm. upbringing. Was there ever any like worry about watching a show that that was was that dark? No, I grew even though I grew up Mormon. Uh-huh. I had parents that were I felt like now in their older age they're more Mormon than they were when I grew up. <laughs> like you get progressively more Mormon. Yeah, as you I think they. It's similar to like I equate it to what I've read about Japanese directors. They're really, when they start out, they're very, like, traditional under their Japanese traditions. Then they move away from it, and they get all extreme. And then their older age, if you watch their films, they go back, and they explore all the classic I guess that's just aging in general. Yeah. And so that's what I think my parents have done now. They've, like, oh, we tried to get away from it, and we, like, we're open-minded. And now near the end of our lives, we're like, no, let's go back and be, like... You know what? This is what's comfortable. (laughs) This is what we know. Yeah. Uh, And growing up, my parents would never. I mean, we were a Simpsons household. Oh, that's interesting. Like, my dad, like, and I grew up, I grew up, I didn't grow up not watching R-rated movies. We were, like, the the Mormon family that watched R-rated movies, because my parents took a stance very early at a young age that, like, like, that's why I just said, like, I saw Last of the Mohicans with <laughs> yeah, my parents. So. It's a violent movie, and it's, um, it's Michael Mann and all that, but, like, I mean, not, not like they would take me to horror or anything. They definitely had, like, their... Uh, boundaries or parameters but my parents were like we see r-rated movies because they allow us to see experiences that you don't have to go through or you don't normally get to see and it it will educate you that's how my parents saw that so they would like allow us to see r-rated movies because they saw it as a tool to teach us and i was like that's awesome i I ended up growing up having two cool parents is pretty much in their own way you were the bad boys of the mormon hood (laughs) we really were in a weird way (laughs) yeah we get into that a lot more if we wanted to all right well thank you for diving into that back to the animated (laughs) well yeah i was just curious but i think that is they never there was never a question that it was like too dark because i think my i mean we're star wars family too and i think my parents always loved the idea of Good versus evil. Like dad loves that kind of stuff. I think that's the only reason he like still is probably a Mormon. Is I mean, that's any religion for the most part. It's, it's like, just good versus evil. It's all it is. So it's like Batman animated series is just to them me a kid watching something that's like 
oh, there's a good guy and there's a bad guy. This it's is a clear. parable of how to be a good person. Exactly. And what not to do. Your heroes and your villains. Don't be a scam artist who incites the Joker to break out of Arkham to do burn that. down, blow up your Don't hotel. do that. As I watched this today, <laughs> it made me realize that like someone needs to write about how the Joker's just gives up every time. I don't think Batman ever like it dawned on me that I don't think Batman ever wins the Joker. I think the Joker in whatever scheme he is, as soon as he realizes the scheme's not gonna be fully for him, I think he just gives up. Because why not? He's just gonna be put back into Arkham to allow himself just to think more and more and ponder another scheme. And then break out. Like I feel like he's just been, but I feel like he's just using the system. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, that's what I love. I love about the Joker in this episode is that he is a tool, and I love when the I love when he's not the one in charge. The moment he realizes he's being used and that he's falling into what's planned for him is so satisfying because usually he's a guy who's the one who's you know orchestrating the chaos. Uh, and it's so fun to see these characters put through different scenarios. Well, we got to see his ego get like rubbed wrong. Like his ego, he got ego. His ego is hurt when right when he finds out that that guy is like there's a a casino with his face on it. He gets so upset, and you're just like, this is so funny because why would you even care? But I love the idea that Joker would care. It's like oh, behind that all of that makeup and craziness, you still are like oh. Yeah. I mean, just like, oh, no. I mean, a self-centered, egotistical maniac. Yeah. And well, let's start at the beginning of it. So it starts with, you know, does it start in Arkham itself? Yeah, because like they're, they're watching it's, footage. It's so funny. They're starting and Poison Ivy is watching a plant, like oh, like a PBS, like, it looks like she's watching like uh, Julia Childs, but for planting. Yes. And Joker comes in and changes the chance. She's like, I was watching that. And right, like, they're like bratty kids yeah, to each other. Yeah, like, and that makes me, that whole like dynamic that they built in animated, it's like so funny that they're all supposed to be insane, but they're so like have their own rules mm-hmm. and they're so like cordial with each other. Like you said, they're like bratty kids, but it's like they like they don't go after each other. It's when Dini, I feel like, realized that uh, he, he did such a good job in the animated series of like, playing the inmates in the asylum as, like, a sitcom. Yeah. Like, this very realizing, much. like, we love watching these characters do their thing like, you know, we'd watch sitcom characters. Like, I would watch, you know, Harley, Ivy, Joker, Mad Hatter, and the Ventriloquist, like... Just hanging out. Just and, and that's, like, what they started to do a little bit more. Like, we would have these scenes that took place in Arkham yeah. that just, you know, we clashed their personalities and their neuroses and, like, mined it for comedy. I mean, this is generally a comedy episode. It's kind of like a fluffy, oh, yeah. fun, like, what-if sort of caper. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And they bring back, they do a total callback. It's so funny at the end, just to jump to the end, but we'll come back is they make a callback to that because she's like, oh, I was watching that. And when he gets back in jail, they're watching him get like berated on the news and then he tries to change it and they're like, we're watching that. And you're like, it's such like a sitcom. Yeah. And it's like, it's so funny because you're just like, oh yeah, these guys are just, when they're in Arkham, they're weak. They're yeah. like, they're just put down to like, they're, they're nothing. It's, and I guess Deanie came from like a so, comedy background. Like he did Tiny Tunes and all that oh, kind I of didn't stuff. Realize that. Yeah, That's so... Awesome. I feel like he injected a lot of that funny into it. Well, you need that levity in anything that's dark like this. You need it. Yeah, we don't want every episode oh. to be over the edge or like, you know, Heart of Ice or the Clayface two-parter. It's like, please you? give us a breath of fresh air. Even as a kid, those were so heavy. Like, yeah, and like, I love them. They're like oh, some of yeah. the best episodes, but like 
if every episode was that dark, I, you know, I don't think they'd shine as much. They wouldn't. You um, have to have these little pops of all these, like this one that's so fun. <laughs> you said little pops. I just imagined a, a very, very, like, two-foot-tall man. It's like, it's me, little pops. Some little pops. Uh, all right, know. pops. <laughs> what? What? It's me, little pops. Little pops. Oh, you don't want to meet my dad, big-ish pops. <laughs> big-ish pops? Is he smaller than you? Well, he's small. He's smaller than me, but I call him big-ish. Get out of here, little pops. Okay, bye. Uh, this is a diverging from the subject of the podcast for a joke that doesn't really matter. It mattered to me because I thought it was funny. Great. Um, oh, here's a fact. Yes. Quick fact. Ernie Ooh. Hudson... The Ghostbuster, original Ghostbuster, Winston Zedmore. Uh, Ernie Hudson plays an Arkham security guard, I believe, in this episode. Does he really? Is yeah. he the is he the one that lets him out? I think so. I, I, let's see. And is he is the guy that lets him out the same guy that's working at the casino that Batman beats up? Because they look like, so similar. You know what? Ernie, Ernie Hudson as security guard is all it says. Um, so maybe it was at the casino. He may not have been, you know. But either way, Ernie Hudson had a small role in this. I episode. love that Ernie. That's where he had to. Yeah, kind of fantastic. That's super great. I like this one, and then like they plan it so easily that like I love this kind of caper, and this is why because they had to really like him, the casino owner. I can't remember the character's name that owns the casino. Oh, he has some wonderful, yeah, like, crappy name, Kaiser. Yeah, Kaiser. Henry Kaiser. Henry it was Kaiser. Harry Hamlin, by the way. Really? Uh, the actor Harry awesome. Hamlin, uh, believe on Mad Men. <laughs> I love it. He's he's great. Yep. So him, I love that. This is those those like things where. They had to plot out that, like, okay, you're going to make sure the Joker is in the mess hall where the television is at this time so that he can see the newscast. Yes. Like, they had to plan that. That's what's, like, when I back up, I'm like, that's so much planning to make sure the Joker sees this, gets him upset, then make sure that you let him get out after that. It's like Right, the implication is that Kaiser has set up a network of people he's paid off in Arkham to orchestrate this. Uh, It's great. You know, I I mean, and the fact that it is, this was, like, at a moment in the 90s when Vegas, and you you and I were both, like, kind of equidistant from Vegas. Yeah, we'd go to Vegas. As a kid, I'd go to Vegas all the time because my mom was from Boulder City, so we'd go back and visit family, friends, and so, yeah, family vacation in Vegas used to be a thing. It was was a theme park destination, like, it was... But there was Touristy. nothing to do. No, I mean they had like at least when I went like they had like the- they had roller coasters and stuff and they like themed all the hotels like Excalibur is yes. clearly what they were mimicking in this episode. Uh-huh. Uh, like you know with a Camelot later or a Camel yeah the Camelot Hotel. Uh, but it was so interesting that like that moment was played up. It made sense. It's like yeah, let's like pull this element from the real world in. The idea that there is just a casino in Gotham is a really fun idea. Yeah, I think that's great and it makes sense. And that kind of like seedy city. Why well, I, I was like. This is the first casino? Yeah. It was <laughs> like, fun to see like a different set piece for all of this to take place. Yeah. And I love I love that he has like a huge head. Like that stuff's so like so oh, the funny. Big wheel yeah, the root the big roulette roll, but no, even just like the fact that outside of your casino oh, would yes. be a giant ha, face ha, ha, Yeah, ha. that would laugh. <laughs> like that is insane. But it's like you're right, it would fit in, in Vegas. That's what that Vegas would you would see like. in Vegas. You'd be like, This is a joke. Yeah. 
A joker. A joker. You want to know a fun little side fact? When I went to one of the times I went to Vegas, they were shooting Con Air, and we got like see the set of them, like that part where the the actual plane crashes into Vegas. (laughs) I remember like us walking, we're like, oh my god, they're shooting a movie, and then seeing it like a year later. Con Air. It was Con Air. Con Air was pretty cool when it came out. Oh, it was way cool when it came out. It doesn't really hold up, but it was. I have not seen it forever, but I bet it's fun. Oh, it's still fun. Steve Buscemi plays like a pedophile, though, right? Isn't he a creep? Yeah, but he's like, he's a creep, but then they, he's like the one that doesn't do anything. Oh, really? Because never he interacts with a little girl and he doesn't do anything. Okay. They lead, they lead it up to like this be this intense moment that he's going to be the worst and he's going to hang out with a kid and then he doesn't do anything. Sorry for those Con Air spoilers. <laughs> oh, yeah. All you Batman the Animated Podcast but, listeners. But Dave Chappelle dies in it. And he gets thrown out, his body gets thrown out Stop of a plane. Stop spoiling and, Con Air <laughs> for me, even though I've seen it before. Uh, but yeah, back to Vegas. Like, yeah, like, I loved it. I loved all those little elements. Like, uh, then we went in and you're like, I love this. Just the fact that a guy, I get that his plan was to get him to burn it down, but it's such an elaborate plan. Like, uh, on top of just scheming to make sure he has it work out, it's like he threw so... One, let's think about it. He had to double down, right? He had to double down on his loss because he already lost on Camelot, right? That's what's implied. Yes. <laughs> but then, how elaborate he went with one making everything Joker. Plus, he had to pay for costumes for all his his like blackjack dealers oh to God. dress like the Joker. Dress like the Joker. There's a Joker mobile. Yeah, that's insane. That guy had to double down on his losses in the hopes the Joker would burn it and down. And he was correct. Let's never <laughs> doubt Henry Kaiser. He's a mogul. He, you know, if only the Joker, if only Batman hadn't intervened. I wish that character, they never bring back Kaiser, do no, they? No, I love that they have those characters, though. They're just these shady businessmen. They're mobsters, yeah. and, and, you know, like, Gotham is just a seedy place where, like, he's the real villain. Again, the Joker's the tool. I loved that moment, Bruce Wayne playing, you know, a game with, with the Joker. Joker. Is, it's just, that's fun. So, just Bruce... Bruce knows it's the Joker, right? Because then he goes and gets some Batman. And he goes, yeah. and he goes to grab him, right? It takes him a minute. But he's like, "All right, yeah, I get this." And they have the Joker mobile, which was a toy that was very rare. Yeah, and it would look the design looked totally different than what's in. <laughs> well, we were like, Seriously. I. That's like a funny era of Joker that really, I wish somebody would like. Because right now, I think we're in an era with Joker, with like Snyder's. I don't know if you read any of the new Snyder stuff. Scott Snyder? Yeah, Scott Snyder. Yeah. Um, I've read a little bit of it. I've read a little. He, he, I, I waned out because the death in the family just didn't do it for me. And I just don't like that whatever. The face ha- stuff? Yeah, the face stuff is, just doesn't do it for me. We're in like real gruesome, terrifying Yeah, like Joker terrifying terror. Joker. But I wish somebody would do something with that era of when Joker had his face on all of his stuff. Because that to me is like... If somebody really broke it down and did it smart, it'd be like, so the Joker would have to be another millionaire. Do you know what I mean? That's just (laughs) insane. Because how do you have a bunch of cars and helicopters with your fucking face on it? You have to have money. Dick Sprang era Joker, but like with a little dose of reality. Yeah, I think that would be so... Cool to see a comic well, book he's writer play with a bunch that. of banks just so he can produce more merchandise yeah, for himself. Like that is so fun to me, I and I don't I think anybody's ready, touched. Yeah. I think I'm definitely ready with that because I'm kind of done with the the demonic Joker. Yeah, I like Snyder's stuff. Scott Snyder's stuff. Scott Snyder. I think so too. I think I like Scott Snyder as a writer. Period. 
Yeah, uh, but I am definitely, you know, I've gotten enough absolutely terrifying, yeah, demon Joker. Um, because I think with Heath, we kind of hit sort of like a, a like a great crescendo crescendo on that, yeah. and now we're sort of still trying to play in that. Did I'm sure s- we'll be in there for a while. I mean, we, you know, based off of like the DC film universe, and that's what's true. going on there. Like that's that's definitely playing the dark card right now. Did you see Suicide Squad? I have not. Ugh. It's like they just turned him into a thug. It's like Scarface, but he just happens to have green hair. I mean, I haven't seen it. Uh, I, I'm not even like opposed to that idea. I, I think like the Joker did start out as like a crime lord, a gangster. Yeah. So there's something interesting about that. But I, I'd be interested in seeing that played out. Like I love that like pinstripe gangster, yeah. like original Joker look. Um, I'm I'm cool with that. I just yeah, I, I haven't seen it, so I can't really speak to it. But it you know doesn't yeah, look like not my cup of tea. About. There's so many great moments. Like I, I think that when you were talking about that turn where he like the fact that Batman gets out of his like in a sense, if Batman was like relying on a lot when he's tied up on that giant roulette table, uh, roulette table, right? Yeah. Um, wheel. Wheel. The roulette wheel. That is roulette, right? Yeah. I'm not a gambler. <laughs> uh, I'm only a gambler when it comes to giant uh, death machines. Oh, cool! Like a giant roulette wheel. Yeah, 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 yeah. One did. Did uh, Kaiser create that then? I think it was like created as like a huge novelty. Like they go to the basement and like the Joker's just strapped Batman to like one of those, and it happens to be a mild justification for getting like an old school giant prop. Oh, I love it. Threw a bomb in there, right? It's like bouncing. Yeah, it's bouncing around. But he gets out of that in some sense to get Joker to go away by telling him like, "No, this is all because he wants you to do this." And Classic I lo- Batman duping the Joker. Yeah, and I love that he just rubs his ego the right way and it's like, "Oh, well, 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 you can't do that to me." I almost feel like that I don't know if that's the first instance in the animated series where he does that cuz like that's kind of how Batman utilizes that in like Mad Love and like some of the other yeah. Jokery stories where he knows he, he uses the Joker the same way that like Kaiser would use him, but also like how do you control this like chaos? <laughs> right, you can just kind of nudge it in a direction and hope for the best, but it's going to spread, yeah, and destroy anything else in its path. Exactly, and that's what he does, which is a great because he doesn't just like he doesn't get out of it clean. Batman, I mean, Joker straight up's like, all right, I'm going to go leave, and then I love the moment where he's in the helicopter. Oh, I think that's such a great moment. So much. Kaiser fun. thinks he's out, and he's like, I did it. I beat it all, and then Joker's just like, oh. And that has one of the dumbest jokes, I think. What uh, is it? Where he says, it's just such a dumb joke, because he goes, he's like, oh my gosh, you're the Joker. He's like, you didn't count on there being a Joker in the deck? And you're like, really? That's what you have? It's such a silly... It's you like got it. it's you such a like, it's such yeah like it's so funny oh. just because that's it's just I loved it and this is the one that ends with Kaiser because it's been I watched it a little less recently but it ends with Kaiser like what like bringing you know like going to bed terrified right yeah oh well that that to me is what resonated and stuck it was so scary the idea of like don't. Don't fuck with the wrong person. Like, this yeah. Guy's, like, he will never have a good night's sleep. No, and he'll like, be... The way that it's shot and lit, or not mm-hmm. shot, but, you know, like, you know, boarded. Oh, it looks so good. He's It's so creepy. Yeah, you don't want to be on that guy's side, because you're never... Now, you're either going to have to disappear or never have a good night's sleep. Yep. You just have to go hide for the rest of your life. Because you don't want a guy like the Joker knowing your name. Just like the one we were talking before. It's like, as soon as Joker knows who you are, you're done. You're done. You want you want nothing to do. Yep. <laughs> 
You're a dead man. Yeah. Uh, and that's the scary part about him. Well, I think we did it. I think we covered Joker's we did, yeah. Wild. The Joker's Wild. It's a great, fun episode. Um, watch it. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks for having me, man. Love it. Like I said, Paul Dini is a pretty big name in the Batman animated world and Batman world in general. Recently, he wrote Dark Knight, a true Batman story, which is a graphic novel you can pick up. You can listen to an interview that happened a couple episodes back about it. He's also the creator of Harley Quinn, written some of the best episodes of the animated series, and you probably know who he is, so let's just get to it. Joker's Wild. It's one of those episodes that is so much fun. <laughs> it's real fun and quirky. I mean, I, I watched it again recently, and I and I I remembered the the opening as the Joker kind of screwing around with poison ivy or goofing on her in, in the in the loony bed, and I've forgotten. I was watching that scene. I'm going like, God, this goes on a long time, and yet it it's it's okay. I mean, he's just sort of having fun, and he. And he's, it just shows what the Joker is like when he's incarcerated, but in a more or less playful mood. And I'm watching this and I'm going, okay, I know there's an armed guard there. He's got a rifle and he's in the rec room with them, but there's no universe where a male and female inmates would be housed together. And I remember thinking that when I was writing it, you know, I'm going like, I, I know, I know how these things work. They're, they'd never be allowed in the same room. And even though the guy, there's a guy with a gun there, but I thought, oh, you know, they're at the top of the game, and they're pro- they, once you've reached that level of villain, it's not. It's about something else, and Ivy can defend herself. You know, if yeah, the Joker started anything, and what can you do? He can't poison her. I love that. That's most of the first act, or like the beginning of it. Yeah. At least it's like I feel like you discovered, and maybe there were other writers on the show, but it happens a lot in your episodes, like. The, the comedic banter between the rogues in Arkham it, uh-huh. feels like it's not, like it's like discovering that these are characters that people are interested in separate from Batman. Yeah. You want to see them play off each other because truly like it becomes, you know, a sitcom in the best way. <laughs> well, I mean, here we here we jump back to Deathstroke death, death for a minute. It's sort of like, um, not to say that he couldn't have been a wonderful character had we used him, but given the choice between going back to that same rapport between our characters, whether they were villains or if it was, excuse me, Gordon Bullock and Montoya or Robin and, and, and Alfred, there's once, once we kind of develop those things, that's a lot of fun. Let's go back to those. So whereas if we introduced a character like Deathstroke, you know, okay, now we got to establish him. We got to give him something compelling. And then he just can't be a guy with a sword and who can, uh, you know, outfight anybody. So, but, uh, yeah, the, that, that opening with them was a, was a lot of fun to write. And it also, it, to me, it showcased Joker's Achilles heel or one of them. And that is his ego. And Mm -hmm. he, he doesn't, he takes a, for a clown, he takes himself seriously in a way. Like he is not out to be mocked and he's not out to be taken advantage of. He is the one who mocks you. He is the one who uh, makes you jump to his tune. He is the one who, uh, you, when you step in a room with him, you're, you're his to work with. And he really hated the idea that somebody was ripping him off and taking his image and, and, and going like, that, that can't be, you know, because that's... That's uh, that's that's Cordo is his 
his uh, soul if he has one. Well, and I love that that's what, ba- you know, this this is one of the few, you know, instances we see, but like Batman exploiting the fact that he knows the Joker has an ego. Yeah. So when he reveals to him that he's being used, he knows that he's, you know, kind of. Yeah. You're, you're set, you're. You're setting. You're, you're you're basically baiting a wild animal. Yep. You want this guy to come here. You know what he's going to do, and you don't care for anybody who's going to be hurt in the process as long as you can get away with this scheme. And you know, to me, that's a worthwhile uh, motivation. There are a lot of people in Gotham who are not. You wouldn't call them real villains because they're not in a funny suit or anything. But they have their own agenda, and they don't mind using the bad guys for their own needs. I mean, certainly, actually, that's where Harley came from, was she was just going to exploit them in a book. And uh, you got uh, Cameron Kaiser here who's going to exploit the Joker and make a buck off him. Oh, yeah, what a fun little world, what subset of Gotham that you got to create. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Like the Vegas-y kind of area. Because there were other casinos nearby that we kind of see. Yeah. Uh, There's like an aquatic one. uh, Uh Uh-huh. But uh, where, where did this story come from? Do you remember... It, it came from an idea, well, you know, Joker's Wild is kind of a natural um, title. People have used it before many times. But I like the idea of the Joker in a casino. And I, somehow the idea of a Joker-themed casino seemed like a lot of fun to me. And he um, he can't do it himself legally. Right. But if somebody, you know, and, and why would he do it? Because that is more like the 60s Joker would do that. He would do a, a casino for gangsters to come and hang mm-hmm. out in. And it's like, well, not not now. But if somebody was working off his image and exploiting him, that would that seemed to be a more interesting way to get a Joker casino story. Also, there's just that imagery of cards and Jokers and and fun and, and that, that, that is a very fun visual language. It would be great to... To really design for a theme park, a Joker's Fun House that has that all that imagery in it, and really do it like the way that you know Disney does one of their dark rides or or something. Oh, I would love to see that. Yeah, I mean, this is also at the time I think Vegas in the '90s in particular was like very themed hotels. Yes, and a family destination too. Yeah, and so I feel like you you kind of had like a riff on the Excalibur. Yes, uh, exactly. I think it was Uh Camelot was like being redecorated as Joker's Wild. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, that's true. That was. I mean, that was just. It's so much fun too. Also, like. You know, getting to see like Harley Quinn, like uh, as waitresses. a wait, wait, waitresses, it's like yeah, every element you know that they he could cash in on, he did. Joker dealers, I feel like that you know just all of that is fun, and uh, I feel like it was the first instance for me of understanding what like insurance fraud was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's a. I, I don't know if the if the plot holds together legally or or you know all that logically, but for the sake of. Argument for the sake of this of this story, it, it holds water well enough. And also, I just like I, don't, you know, I would love to go to a Joker themed casino. Wouldn't, oh, yeah, wouldn't that especially be the that spinning head, that payoff, to yeah, of it crunching up. <laughs> yeah, the what are Batman's hang glider? I think in the yeah. episode was oh, such yeah. a fun image. Yeah, oh. I mean, I, I, I again, you know, that goes back to Dick Sprang and all the huge imagery. So there's definitely nods. There were all sorts of nods to Dick Sprang throughout. The, the roulette the series, yes. Uh, the big roulette wheel was really fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's uh, all it's all Dick Sprang. It's an homage to Sprang. Actually, that episode. Yeah. Here's a question. Uh, yeah. The there's like a Joker mobile in there. Yes. Uh, I remember there was a toy <laughs> that yeah. they released. 
Uh, was that something that like was imposed upon you? Like we gotta create a Joker mobile to put in here, or was it something that they grabbed from the episode? I I, I think I wanted I, I wanted to just put it in because you know it's like there's car giveaways you know in in casinos you could win this car and it just seemed logical. I think I wanted I really wanted the 1950s Joker mobile in there oh. and. Uh, with that dome head and the, and, the, and the with that dome in the front and the Joker head and everything like that, and uh, is it, yeah, it, it was, I was just going with everything I could, you know. They the the toy company didn't really impose on us all that much. I mean, they they did a lot of merchandise that was spun out of the show or tied to the show that I didn't think was entirely logical, and um, that's but. They weren't hold. They weren't holding it over our head, saying you must put this in. Uh, Bruce Tim and I parodied that in the Harley and Ivy miniseries, where the toy company is you know, like saying, "Well, you have to have this version and that version and this Harley and that and, and like that." And we're just going like, deep sea aqua, deep sea aqua uh, Harley, neon or, glow Harley Quinn. Yeah, which you could probably find now, ironically, at Toys R Us. There's yeah, actually, there's a whole line of different Harleys, I believe. Uh, uh, I got like two of them last week. It's like Mad Love Harley. In her nighty, yeah, going like that's well, not for say for work, and uh, and then there was something I got the other day. I I've lost track of them. I used to have a shelf of of it of all the Harley stuff, and then I outgrew it, and now they're just piled up on the floor. Well, there's also so much more Harley. Like it's just like she's grown and grown and grown. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, uh, uh, it's weird to see it all it all uh, mushroom like that, and I'm going like. Okay. This is how it happens, I is guess. It, she's Mickey Mouse. Okay, uh, cool. So, but I love I love Joker's favor, and uh, and uh, again, it was sort of an offbeat idea. Joker's favor. Oh, Joker's, sorry, wild, but Joker's yeah. wild. Joker's wild. I'm getting them all confused. But it, it uh, Joker's Joker's wild was a fun story about his sort of influence on people and wh- how people think of him in, in the mindset, because also. Gotham City sort of is built around its its villains, and it would be like an old western town making money off Billy the Kid or you know uh, Butch Cassidy or something like that. That notoriety where something bad happened or there were crooks or something, and I think that Gotham you know plays off that, and um, and I love I love showing that in different ways. I never was really trying to mock the villains or show that they weren't dangerous. But it was just another element that made Gotham City kind of darkly attractive. Yeah. Is that mean, you could run into them. You they were see. celebrities in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yes, there is a man bat, and there he goes. You're, you know, here's Catwoman. Uh, it, Alan and I did that in a, a short we did where Batman is chasing Catwoman around town. She lands on top of a tour bus, and... Um, and there's a guy who wants a picture, and she just sort of poses, <laughs> gets the picture, and she goes off. But everybody would want a selfie with Batman, you know, if they saw him. Oh, right? yeah, at this point? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a really fun one. Uh, just, just Joker's a- Millions was sort of like that, too, where it was just sort of another aspect of the Joker's personality and, you know, putting him in a situation because he's such a vibrant personality that, apart from being a killer, apart from being a menace... There is there are times he's just he has to be a guy the rest of the time when he's not fighting Batman and who is that guy? Usually he doesn't even know. He's just he just lives in the moment and it's fun to follow him going kind of from moment to moment and 
as he as he kind of makes it up as he goes along. He's such a purely that episode is so purely comedic in such a fun way. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing the Joker have to deal with the IRS, yes, is oh, yeah. <laughs> amazing. Oh, the IRS! I think I've heard of that somewhere. Yeah, oh. auditioning Harley Quinns. Yes, uh, it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, myself included. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where did the idea come from for Joker's Millions? Was it based off of a comic? It, it was. It was based off a comic. It was a, a comic from the fifties, and I always just liked the idea of it. I read a description of it someplace, and then I saw the splash page, which is like Joker strutting around on a red carpet someplace. Oh yes, Batman, Robin, throwing the money like a, like tips. And I thought, yeah, that would be really funny to show. Again, it's I was trying to comment on society, uh, the society that's existed for the last twenty years is that you really can't be, other than with very few exceptions, there's not a lot you can do in society that will get you locked up for any long t- period of time. A lot of celebrities that we, we that, that society reveres now are perfect shitheels, and they, they, they're selfish, and they're greedy, they're manipulative, they're, they're bad people, they're immoral, they're, they're hateful. My God, I just described <laughs> the Republican candidate. <laughs> I mean, but look, you know, he can get away with it because of celebrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he gets, a, but people get away with that because of celebrity and and indiscretions and criminal things are swept away that somebody else might be arrested for or investigated uh, on would be or uh, dealt with and done away with. And because at some point, notorious people become good news or people or good subjects for news, and people are intrigued by them, and so. Yeah, realistically, Joker's killed, I don't know how many hundreds of people. He probably would never be allowed out, but let's just pretend, you know. So it would it worked in that area of where he's able to finagle through spending money around. He's a, he's able to just to just get to buy himself a parole, however, 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 um, briefly. And it's another episode where he gets played. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, which is always fun and satisfying. <laughs> well, he Joker in many ways is 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 the trickster, and uh, he like a trickster character. Um, one of the darker aspects of that, but in in a lot of trickster stories, like that use an animal character like the coyote. Sometimes he gets away with it. Sometimes he suffers for his own hubris, and he's he gets the trick played on him. So it's interesting when Joker has to becomes a victim of the things like his own cruelty or his own greed or his own, um, you know, arrogance. Yeah. And uh, not that you really want to see him win. No. no. But sometimes he is the coyote that is stalking its prey. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so. And sometimes uh, every once in a while he will wind up against somebody who is worse than he is in a certain way and or and in some ways you're rooting for him in in uh in uh, joker's wild because the guy he is being taken advantage of he is out to you know right or wrong as he sees it so there is some sort of satisfaction in the 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 guy the the other the uh casino owner is taken out and um and he's isn't that way vindicated that's really about as 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 uh heroic as you can take the character or as positive yeah, you're rooting for it. Also, from like the the uh, like the audience within Gotham, there's like a spectacle to it that's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of characters you can play um, more sympathetically or heroically, and uh, and you you believe it, 
And um, one of the things I sort of discovered is there's sometimes like I'll go back now and I'll write want to write one of the rogues gallery villains is is worse than they are or worse than they've been, and I often can't get away with it because they've kind of morphed into more of an anti-hero than an actual out and out lethal threat, and uh, and uh, so that's it was sort of sobering when I was writing the Batman comic book that whether it's something that happened gradually in the comics over time or something that is a result of them being treated in the movies and in the animated series in a different way, maybe they're not quite as vicious and villainous as, as they once were. You know, they, like, like I said, they're, they've gone more to the anti-hero than, uh, than, uh, than an out-and-out psycho villain. Yeah, I mean, people have a reverence for them because they are connecting to them because I think the yeah. series uh, yeah. more so than the films. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you don't want to see them be completely mindless, cold killers. Yeah. Uh, at least you want to see where it's coming from. Yeah, or at least if they're killing somebody, maybe they've got a reason to do it or, or they're, they're trying to, to, to serve a greater purpose even if it's something that just makes sense to themselves. Well, thanks for Still. chatting about this. Oh, sure, it's it's fun. It's always it's always fun getting inside these guys' heads and and seeing when they where they are. And uh, that's what I really enjoy about the Batman world is so many creators, uh, artists, and writers are able to take these characters who are pretty solid at their core, you know, Penguin, Catwoman, Riddler, you kind of know who they are, and come up with variations on them. It's almost like doing a jazz riff on a song you know every you know pretty much everybody you know who plays jazz knows how to play stormy weather or something but you can play it in a certain way where it sounds completely different and yet seems absolutely logical man oh if we don't close on that then i don't know what we close on thanks for coming on the podcast again oh it was my it was my pleasure absolutely there you have it. Batman the Animated Podcast is back, baby. If you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe on iTunes. Leave a comment. You can also listen via SoundCloud or Stitcher or Spotify. If you want to get in touch, tweet at me at BTAS Podcast or at Hey Justin. Email me at BTASPodcast at gmail.com. Go like the show on Facebook. I got way too many social media accounts for this. We got to condense things. There's also a website, btaspodcast.com. Guys, that's it. Thank you for listening. Batman the Animated Podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Justin Michael. Tom Smith created the show logo, and Casey Trela helped produce the theme song. Thanks again to my guests, Dave Christensen and Paul Dini. And of course, This American Life producer and co-creator, Tori Malatia, who put a whoopee cushion on my seat. I know it's an old prank. I sat down, and I was actually pretty pissed. I was in a bad mood. But Tori, of course, said... You of all people should have realized there'd be a joker in the deck. (laughs) And he's right. Thanks for bringing the levity, Mr. Malatia. All right, guys, that's it for another Batman the Animated Podcast. Stay tuned. Got more coming your way very soon. Bye.